Thank you for tuning into the weekly sermon from Journey of Hope, a United Methodist community. We are a welcoming community that fosters belonging and acceptance. Through ministries, we enable individuals to transform their lives as they learn to follow Jesus Christ. We follow the guidance of the Spirit in sharing our faith through missional adventures, building relationships, and offering our witness to our community and world. We serve the Elgin, Illinois area and are located at the corner of Randall Road and Highland. To learn more about us, you can check us out at johumc.org or any of our social media platforms by searching Journey of Hope. And now, here is this week's message. The first part is taken from John, chapter 3, verses 1 through 9. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, You must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. We continue reading on with John chapter 4, verses 13 through 26. Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I will give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, When you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband, when you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors, excuse me, our ancestors worshipped on the, this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you know, We should worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming, 
and now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is Spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the Spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. May God bless the reading, hearing, and understanding of his word. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> So today we, uh, today we need to turn our focus uh, to a certain experience uh, that many of us, in fact, I, I dare to say that all of us have experienced, is this word called deconstruction. Now many people will express it this way. It's a, it's a season of asking questions, not accepting things the way we've always known them to be, and even questioning the things that don't make sense. You tell a person that there are 400 billion stars in the sky and they'll believe you, but you tell them that a bench has wet paint and they gotta touch it. Why? Why is the stuff, the ground up stuff called hamburger when it's made of beef? Why isn't there mouse flavored cat food? Why do banks charge you insufficient funds on money they know you don't have? Here's one you probably all heard. Why do you park on a driveway but drive on a parkway? And why do you put suits in garment bags but put garments in suitcases? This one is one I think Mary will like. Why are there five syllables in the word monosyllabic? And finally, one more. If the black box recorder is never damaged during a plane crash, why isn't the whole plane made of that stuff? <laughs> Just some things to ask questions about in our lives, right? So I'm going to encourage you to have your, your bulletins handy. I said it all this time that there's got compass guides in there. It's got questions that you can reflect on throughout the week and scriptures that you can read so that you can continue your journey this week on this particular topic. And so will you pray with me? Gracious and almighty God, we come striving to hear your word, to hear what you have to speak to us. And so God, open our hearts and open up our minds so that we can truly understand what you are telling us today. God, all this I ask in Jesus' name, amen. So I wonder if you've ever had those, uh, those stories in your life, in your family, that you found hard to believe. Maybe it was a great-grandmother who was a, a popular singer. Your uncle was a CIA agent as an operative. Or maybe like me, my great-grandfather used to run bootleg for Al Capone. <laughs> True. <laughs> You've heard the stories uh, throughout the years and wondered if they could actually be true. You know, I'm sure that, uh, that if you asked uh, Roy and Evelyn about stories about the house that they're in, they could tell you all kinds of stories, true stories. 
So you want to find out if, if all of these are true. Maybe you start digging to see if you can prove that it was true. Or maybe you just abandon the thought, thinking that it is so far out there, it couldn't possibly be true. After a little digging and putting pieces together, you find out that indeed it is true. I wonder if you did that. I wonder if this made the story more real to you now that you were the actual one who did the research and discovered the truth for yourself. You didn't just take someone else's word for it. You see, that's the kind, it's kind of like what we're talking about today with, uh, with our question about deconstruction. So let me ask you a question. What have you been taught about the Christian faith? What have you learned from Sunday school teachers, pastors, and, and others about what it means to not only be a Christian, but also the plethora of stories from the Bible? I mean, you remember the stories, the stories of Adam and Eve, Abraham and Isaac, Noah and the flood, Moses and the Pharaoh, Joseph and his amazing technicolor dream coat. Maybe you even know some of the more obscure stories, like about Gideon and his army, J.L. and a tent spike, Balaam and his talking donkey. What have you been taught about creation? What have you been taught about Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and God? I wonder if what you have been taught throughout the years still looks the same way today. Do they still make sense? Do you have questions about them? This is where deconstruction comes in. Many, many people will tell you that deconstruction is bad. And if you know someone who's going through it, you should just shame them into believing just because you said so. And I think we need to be aware that this process can lead in many different ways. Yes, I will admit, yes, deconstruction, the deconstruction process can lead to a complete loss of faith. But when we think about it, what's worse? Scripture tells us, Revelation 3, 15 and 16, tells us that God despises the lukewarm. And I wonder if those who believe just because people tell them to believe are just that. Lukewarm. On the other hand, people can come out of the other side of deconstruction with a stronger faith than they have ever had. I've known quite a few. You see, the process of deconstruction is removing all the things that just don't make sense, especially because it was things that they were taught to just believe. We remember the story of Thomas who doubted in Jesus' resurrection. Jesus told him that blessed are those who not see, but yet believe. But if we don't see the benefit in the doubts and questions, I think we're missing the boat. Recently, we had a worship series about the last seven words that Jesus spoke from the cross. During this season series, we began to understand that Jesus might have 
might not have been telling us that God turned his back on Jesus. But rather, Jesus was giving us words of hope and grace by recalling our minds to Psalm 22. This was new for some of you. A few of you actually expressed to me how meaningful it was to think about references to the Psalms in those difficult times. I dare say that it increased your faith. Right? Another time, I remember I shared this story before, it was, uh, I was leading a small group with Adam Hamilton's book, The Journey, around Advent. When we arrived at the subject of the nativity scene, where Jesus was born, we, we discussed how the houses would have looked in Jesus' day and how it looked so much different than our typical nativity scene with barns, hay, and animals all gathered around. This was such a shock to one woman that, that she got angry and asked if we could just go back to what she had been taught as a child growing up. The deeper understanding was something she didn't want to deal with. Telling the story in this way almost destroyed her faith in the story. And in our two stories from Scripture today, we, fi we find this stark contrast, but yet similarities. Nicodemus goes to see Jesus at night, whereas Jesus meets the woman at the well in the middle of the day. Differences, but yet they were both with Jesus at times when others would not be around and would not see them. Another part of these stories is that they are both asking questions of Jesus. They're trying to get a greater understanding of this life that Jesus is offering and that Jesus is teaching them. Nicodemus wants to know about the kingdom of God and Jesus tells him that he needs to be born again. And this makes no sense to Nicodemus. He asks a, a perfectly normal question, one that we might have asked too if we were in that same situation. How can someone go back into a mother's womb? to be born again. And Jesus offers a, a more in-depth response and then Nicodemus comes back with, how can this be? He still doesn't get it. The woman at the well hears Jesus talk about life-giving water and she wants to have a drink, but first asks some questions. She wants to know how Jesus will get the water since he obviously doesn't have a bucket with him. She also wants to know where this water is. Obviously, it's not the water that she's been getting from this well all of her life. But notice that they both ask questions. Maybe even, a, even doubt a bit, as Nicodemus knows that you can't physically enter back into the womb. And the woman knows that the water she's been drinking isn't the life-giving water that Jesus, Jesus promises. Questions and doubts are okay. Our questions and our doubts are okay. It is a natural part of life. As we are growing up, we all question whether or not our parents know what the heck they're talking about. You went through that same story, didn't you? We only finally we reached a certain age and realized that yes, they really did know what they were talking about. It is at that moment that our parents hear those words that we all long to hear. 
Mom, Dad, you were right. But as parents, we let our kids stretch their wings. We want them to grow. And sometimes the only way to allow them to grow is to allow them to make mistakes and question all of our judgments along the way, as painful as that is. That's not far from what we're talking about with this deconstruction and deconstructing individual faith. We know that it happens around a certain age. People will will have a tendency to walk away from the church, not all of them, but a higher percentage than any other age group. And this usually happens around the time of college, beginning families. Some will think that it's about a lack of time. And while some of it is just that, I think there's quite a bit of deconstructing going on. Young adults are questioning all they've been taught, trying to figure out what all of it means and if all the stuff that we talk about could actually be true. During this time, they they walk away from church. They walk away from relationships with friends who still hold tight to the faith and they begin to ask a lot of questions. Now, if they're not asking you those questions... It's not because they're not asking them. They're just finding other people to ask. Which leads me to what our response is. As parents, friends, mentors, and church friends, our response to those who are going through this process can have a positive impact. Or it could drive them further away from the Christian faith. See, I know that we're just finishing this Ask a Pastor series, but if you, have you ever felt like you just couldn't ask questions? Maybe it was about Christianity. Maybe it was at work or, or maybe another topic, but you felt like questions maybe were challenging the leadership. Questions were not welcomed, especially those type of questions. How did it make you feel? Did you feel like you belonged there? Or that you were accepted for who you were? Or maybe you felt like everyone was judging you for feeling the way you did. Not a very comfortable place to be. Especially if this is a natural part of growth. So what can we do? What can we really do here? I mean, can I be honest with you? Here's what I would love for you to do if you are facing this in your life. Maybe it's a son or a daughter, a grandchild, a niece or a nephew, or maybe it's a longtime friend. But when in the presence of doubts and questions, please eliminate the shame. Eliminate the shame. The other person is going through enough already. They don't need you telling them just how and why they are wrong about everything that they are thinking, feeling, or experiencing. Just love them. Just love them. Beyond that, make space for questions. Make space for questions. Let them know that doubts and questions are welcome. 
This is one of the main reasons why I love doing the Ask a Pastor Sunday. It allows space for questions that many people feel afraid to ask. You should never feel ashamed or afraid to ask questions about the Christian faith. Love to share some of the uh, questions. Actually, Kimberly saw them. Uh, some of the questions that you all asked. There were a few that, that were really kind of interesting. But we need to make space for those questions and allow the growth to happen. I'm going to go way back here. Uh, in 1887, Henry Drummond preached a sermon entitled Dealing with Doubt. And here is one of his observations. This is what he said. Christ never failed to distinguish between doubt and unbelief. Doubt is I can't believe. Unbelief is I won't believe. Doubt is honest. Unbelief is obstinacy. Doubt is looking for light. Unbelief is content with the darkness. Loving darkness rather than light, that is what Christ attacked and attacked unsparingly. But for the intellectual questioning of Thomas and Philip and even Nicodemus and the many others who came to him to have their greatest problem solved, Jesus was respectful and generous and tolerant. But how did he meet their doubts? The church, as I have said, says brand him. Christ says teach him. When Thomas came to him, denied his very resurrection and stood before him waiting for the scathing words and lashing for his doubts, they never came. They never came. Christ gave facts. Here are the wounds, my hands and my side. See for yourself and believe. See for yourself and believe. Deconstruction is a process. It is not deconversion. It is a natural and healthy part of growth. I think about the many times that I have deconstructed things in my life, even parts of my faith, and I know this. I have a stronger faith because of it. I have a greater understanding of, of who God is and how God can love us all because I have searched and found the answers myself. I didn't take someone else's word for it. I searched and I found. I knocked and the door was opened. Maybe there's something in your life that is blocking you from a deeper understanding of God's love for you. Maybe there's something that, that you have been taught that just doesn't seem right or that doesn't sound like it could actually be true. Maybe you need to remove it, set it aside, get down to the foundation of your faith and begin to rebuild out of that. If you have questions, I don't claim to have all the answers, but I will listen to you and I will help you find the answers that you are looking for. No shame, no judgment, just opening up to allow the Holy Spirit to provide the answers. Will you pray with me? Almighty and disturbing God, 
There are times when we doubt, that we have questions. God, help us to understand that those are normal. Help us to understand that that questions are okay. And that if we have the questions, that we search out those answers. But if people are coming to us and asking questions, that, that we don't shame them, that we don't judge them for the questions that they ask, but that we but that we listen. Not necessarily providing the answers that we all know, but allowing the Spirit to work within them so that they may discern those answers for themselves. God, hear us as we cry out to you and answer our doubts and our fears with with your truth, with the story that we love to tell over and over again of your son Jesus, of the power of the Spirit, the triune God. All this we lift in the powerful name of your son Jesus Christ. Amen.